Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture, drama. Kate Blanchett, Carol. Brie Larson, Room. Rooney Mara, Carol. Shisha Ronan, Brooklyn. Alicia Vikander, The Danish Girl. So this week, we're definitely going to start off with the Golden Globe nominations that were just announced. Carol topping the hit parade for sure. What do you have to say about that, O'Toole? Yes, well, I know we're going to be discussing Carol later in the podcast. But of course, when I saw the nominations, the first movie I looked for, I was so devastated to not see it on the list in any form or fashion. It was Learning to Drive. I know. What are you people thinking? I was devastated. Sarah Kernikin definitely deserved a nomination oh for my God, Best totally. Screenplay. Patricia Clarkson and Ben Kingsley definitely deserved nominations for Best Actor and you, Best Actress in a comedy. You know, everybody is talking about, if you look at everything that was nominated, with the exception of Love and Mercy, really moved me hugely. So I was glad to see that got a nomination. But generally, they were all fall releases that were timed around the award season. And is that what this means, that you cannot run a movie during the year and expect to be considered seriously for a nomination unless you do it in October, November? Is that really where we've come? You know, I do wonder if the Hollywood Foreign yeah. Press just starts watching movies in December. I, I they agree. should be listening to us all year know, long, if you I ask know, me. The other person that I really had wanted to see was for best actor or best supporting actor in a comedy. I wanted to see Nick Nolte nominated for a walk in the woods. <gasps> yes. I, well, I, I, if you were going to mention that, I certainly was another standout performance by him. And frankly, even his entire body of work needs, you know, he certainly should be considered in there, mm-hmm. but I will say that I was very, very happy that two of my predictions, um, Two of my predictions came to pass, and one was Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, which I think is an Academy Award, Golden Globe. I, I just think he was unbelievably terrific. He's such a good actor. I saw him live on Broadway starring in Boeing, Boeing okay. with your guy Bradley Whitford from yep. The West Wing, and Mark Rylance won the Tony. Phenomenal actor. Well, interestingly enough, in, a, in an interview that Spielberg did, um, he offered Mark two major roles in prior movies, and Mark turned them down because he wanted to do theater in London. Yes, and and Spielberg said that alone made him, you know, really <laughs> want it. And then when he sent him the script for this, he immediately called and said, "I want it." And then Hanks, in the same interview, talks about how you know Tom Hanks is, I think, a little bit like me, a little ADD, a little you know, <laughs> quick at the draw, so to speak. And Tom said, you know, I go in and I just try to, you know, make a huge impression to the audience when I'm acting. And he said, that guy made me wait every single time. And apparently after the first take, you know, when they first started working together, Hanks took Spielberg aside and said, really? Wow. Like, seriously, this this guy is unbelievable. So for Bridge of Spies, you have to, you definitely have to go see it. And then also Brian Cranston for Trumbo. What an incredible performance. And so Bridge of Spies and Trumbo, both taking place in the early 60s, late 50s in our country's history, uh, both have nominations up for Best Actors, and I'm so I'm so glad about that. You know, speaking of nominations for Best Actor, you know someone else who wasn't on the list, and I really wanted to see him there? 
I can't imagine. Here's your clue. We podcasted about the movie, and it was really a movie starring only two people, Jason Siegel for the end of the tour. I think he another, really another forgotten one. You're actually right. I hadn't mm-hmm. even I hadn't even thought of that. And I do have to say that Amy Schumer played Amy Schumer in Trainwreck. I'm not sure that's up for a Golden Globe. I really don't. But I will you know. say this: everyone has been commenting on the fact that. No one understands which movies qualify for best comedy because The Martian made the shortlist. There was much hubbub about that in terms of did they put it in there so that it would be an easier ride to the nomination and the possible win? Because I, you know, did you see the movie? I actually did see it. I haven't talked about it, but I, I didn't laugh. Of those movies, I haven't yet seen The Big Short, Trainwreck, I thought, was the funniest. I was a little disappointed overall. I was certainly disappointed in the screenplay. Uh, nominations. I just thought they didn't get that right at all. And for anyone who's listened to our Spotlight podcast, I think I need not belabor <laughs> I know, the Spotlight nominations here. I know, but I didn't feel here. quite, yeah, I didn't feel quite as strongly as you did on that. But, but you know what? And we didn't get to vote, so there you go. But um, they still should have asked us. They really I should know, have. I know, I know, I know. But what about on the TV side? Did you, did you think okay, there's there? one big omission, and I looked for this one right off the bat, Catastrophe. I think Sharon Horgan should have been nominated for sure, and I think Catastrophe should have been nominated in the comedy category. And I don't think enough of them saw it because it's playing on a um, offbeat channel, yes, and he and did that yet. so he could have total control, and I think that's probably why nobody saw it. But two other Amazon shows made that category, Mozart in the Jungle and Transparent. In fact, if you look at the comedy series, the uh-huh. networks were completely shut out. Well, they were, and everybody was, you know brouhaha about all that and frankly i just don't think people watch that much uh network tv anymore you know i really don't i i think in general everybody's moved to other ways of finding their entertainment on television right now we got to get on to other things we're taking up all our time here we just wanted to announce that they've been announced and quite often off many of them mirror for the academy awards so this might be an indication of what is yet to come and uh and now onward uh, this week, we're going to review the movie The Letters, which is uh, both O'Toole and I just saw it this week, even though it's been out actually since the summer. Did you know that? I did not know that. I know. It's been out since the summer, but nobody knew about it, and we figured it out this week. So we're going to review The Letters, which, of course, is about Sister Teresa's letters. and Mother and Teresa. Her, well, Mother Teresa. I, you know, she's I still mother think, to me. Okay. She, well, not only that, she's mother in the end anyway, but... Um, and then we're going to talk about the documentary shortlist for the Academy Awards, which came out this week, and then read some of your letters and talk about some other films and TV worth uh, worth noting. So, uh, in the news, did you see that Robert Loggia died yesterday? Yes, yes. one of the great that. character actors um, who starred, of course, in Big and Starface. He was 85 and had suffered from Alzheimer's for the last five years. And everyone seems to be showing the video from Big where he and Tom Hanks played the life-size piano keyboard. Do you remember that? I love that uh, scene. Oh. It made me want to go to FAO Schwartz. <laughs> well, I, I did go to FAO Schwartz. Which, Schwartz's by the way, is closed the, now. Yeah. Did you know that? Yes, Which I, I think is a tragedy for America. You know, know, every kid needs to go to FAO That's Schwartz. That's how I always thought about the holidays in New York. Right. Was the guy that stood in the doorway and counted how I many know, people came I know, I know, I know. Well, it's closed now. So, um, And then he was nominated for Supporting Actor in 1985's Jagged Edge. Do you remember that? 
that movie. That movie scared me. I love that movie with Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges. And, Bridges. and I think people and the should. Typewriter. And you know what? I checked. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yes. Okay. okay. Great okay, movie. Very I know, really, really good. But the one that really I loved him in, and I know, please don't look at me cross-eyed, which I know you're going to do, but did you see the movie Return to Me? Is that the one with the, the heart and they need a heart transplant? <laughs> okay, already she's rolling, she's rolling her eyes already. No, no. David Duchovny, Mini Driver. Oh my God, Mini Driver, yes. It's about a woman who goes um, who gets a heart transplant and unknowingly falls in love with the donor's grieving ex. Yes, well, yes. not ex, but the widower. Uh, yeah, the widower. widower. <laughs> Convenient. Okay, all right, all right. His exactly. Heart beat on. And you know, Mini Driver's great in it, but Robert Loggia joined Carol O'Connor, Eddie Jones, and William Brondner. And um, and they became this sort of band of older grandfatherly types who love and support her in a way that every woman should have in their lives. And I loved him in that role. And he nobody's mentioning right. it but me. He was, I well, know. then, Alistair, I'm glad you're mentioning it because I loved those oh, scenes where those guys all yeah. hung yeah. out together. Yeah. Yes. Okay, but everyone's talking about him being a character actor. And I guess the question I have for you, because you're much more versed in this, is are there any character actors today? Are there, is there a twenty-something character? Sad. Is there? Because I think that's the greatest compliment you could ever be I do given. Too. Is yeah. that your But tell me a twenty-something character, character actor. Character. Yeah. Is there one? Hey, is know, that what, so maybe is this generation the last of the character actors? Well, maybe in the U.S. Because I know people still say in Great Britain they uh -huh. have a lot of character actors. Okay. Okay. So who's somebody who's twenty or thirty who's a character actor? The guy from Moneyball, Jonah. Jonah Hill. Do okay. I get the name and you didn't? <laughs> She's going to check. I'd like to say I gave an assist. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You know what? I love that choice. Okay. okay. Thank you. So, thank yeah. You. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, if anybody out there can think of some character actors from this upcoming generation, I don't want to lose character actors. I think they're so important. They're never stars. And the good thing about them is they can be a chameleon because that means they can play so many different roles because we don't attach them to some sort of persona. Well, anyway, so, um, so may he rest in peace. What a great man and what great movies he brought to us for sure. And then also, I have to talk about Jessica Jones because it's all the rage. Everyone's talking about it. And, um, and I don't get it. <laughs> Okay, I just, uh, you know, I just want to say that I tried it and the dialogue is so bad and the backdrop is so dark. Like, does she ever come out in the light of day? I just can't imagine that she does that I couldn't get through the first one. Um, but everyone is saying such good things about it that I feel like I need to go watch three. Are you interested? Will you be willing to do that for next week or the week after? Would I be willing? Yes, I would be willing. I have not yet seen it. But you've heard about it. I've heard about okay. it. And I got a text from one of our listeners, and that's all it said, Jessica Jones. And I thought, okay, clearly. Okay, I think we Lori need to put Rutter. that out. Okay. Yes, and I, I needed Thank to be you, doing Lori. something Thank you, Lori. Yeah, with it. Jessica Jones, we're on it. Okay, but Lori, I did watch part of the first one. And the dialogue was so badly written, I just couldn't even figure it out. But we'll, all right, we're going to try to do that next week then, okay? And then Pink Man Cat from Twitter asked us to take a look at Master of None, which, by the way, I have to say, interestingly enough, premiered on Netflix on November 6th. And um, it reminds me of a reality show right out of Meet the Patels. Remember the documentary that we saw when we were down in Bentonville? Well, yes, I do. And not only do I remember that documentary, and we actually met the Patels, uh -huh. but the star of that documentary is in the trailer for Master of None. Oh, my God. I didn't know yes, that. I didn't yeah, even realize check that. It out. Okay, so, um, so Patel. I love the fact that the new darling of Netflix who writes and stars in it, Aziz Ansari, 
uh, he cast his own parents as his parents because he felt they played him best. And he, of course, <laughs> is from Parks and Recreation. Exactly, exactly. And his co-writer, Alan Yang, brings his own set of immigrant uh, fabulous to the show as well. But Business Insider yesterday uh, put a worst-to-best ranking of Netflix original shows and put Master of None in first place over House of Cards. And Orange is the New Black. And, uh, you know, I'm beside myself that they think that, that it rises above, you know, rises above. So I think it's a wonderful comedy, but it's it's not a it's not a serious binge watch because each half hour is sort of its own inside plot. But you don't have to you don't there's not an intro to the next one. So you don't get hung up on I've got to spend all the snowy weekend doing that. So I think it's more of a big bang theory kind of approach That's rather a great than analogy. it doesn't belong yeah. in number one. And you know, I, I think Business Insider needs to relook at how they're <laughs> adjusting these now, for are sure. Are you relieved at that thought since between the two of us you are much more capable of binge watching? Okay, is that an insult? No, that just goes <laughs> to show your laser focus. Right. No, it goes to show. I thought she was going to say your lazy nest, no, <laughs> laser you know, focus. I would lazy after an hour. Wait, to go lazy and laser only has one <laughs> letter difference, as far as I'm concerned. But okay, anyway, uh, I, I, it's but it's a good show. Okay, and then last in our in our section of what's happening now is Carol, which we saw at the Hampton Film Festival. But everyone's touting its Academy Awardness. So our, <laughs> when I saw it, we did talk when we left the theater. You will remember where we all, we both said they're going to love this film, right? That's right. We did. Um, not that we loved it. But, well, I did not love it. Yeah, I didn't love it. Well, um, did you see Far From Heaven? I, I thought it was I thought it was Ed Hopper come to life in slow motion. Oh, that's a great Yeah, but in comparison. slow motion. I need Ed oh, Hopper yes. to speed up, not be in no. slow motion. Well, Todd Haynes directed both Far okay, From Heaven right. and Carol, and they both took place in the 1950s, and they both deal with people who are married. They're in heterosexual marriages, right. but, you know, one out. Right. So to speak. Well, one of the things I think you said when we were talking about a little bit afterward that I thought was so brilliant was, or maybe it was somebody else we were with. Maybe it I'll was. I'll take the brilliant know. comment. Okay, you can do the brilliant. <laughs> um, I know. I think it was our friend Sue, and I think she's the one who said, "If it had been two men." Oh, it was Melissa Cohn. Oh, Melissa mm -hmm. Cohn. Okay. If it had been two men rather than two women, would this film be anywhere near what it's going to be now? Uh, no, she had said, "If it had been a man and a woman instead of two women." Okay. What did she say? <laughs> Melissa, maybe you should just call it right now with your comment. <laughs> okay, Melissa Cohen said, because I, who drink too much Diet Coke to have a short-term memory, go ahead, what did she say? I thought she had said if it hadn't been a same-sex romance, would it be as out? Ah, excellent, yes. Yeah. And also, the shocking part of it in the 50s was that it was the same sex. Did you see what they did? This is like the scoop of what's being discussed everywhere. Okay, both of them are stars, and they are both leading ladies. Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, but they're trying to say that Rooney is a supporting role because they don't want her to be up against Kate for the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? So they just they just proposed that she was uh, supporting. She's not supporting. If anything, it's the reverse. Yes, and Rooney Mara already won for Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival. For well, she role. is so good in it. But you know what? I wish the Academy Awards could just play fair. Come on, guys. I mean, seriously. 
isn't it time that we just pe put people up and if they're running against each other, they're running against each other, you know, so. Well, not only is Rooney Mara spectacular in the film, but I would say she's even better than Kate Blanchett. And I've always well, she has a harder role, too. She has a harder yeah. role, and it just goes to show yeah. her tremendous range because she was in the U.S. version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Such a different role than what she played here in Carol. Well, it shows her versatility. Her versatility is yeah, totally. Tremendous. She was in totally. side effects. Absolutely. She's always playing yep. very different characters. Yep. But imagine if the roles in this movie had been reversed. And because of the age difference, they couldn't have been to be true to the story. But could Kate Blanchett have played that kind of ingenue? I don't know. Dearest, there are no accidents, and no explanation I offer will satisfy you. I, you know, I'm not a Kate Blanchett lover. To me, she's like Faye Dunaway, which to me looks like a cat and makes me uncomfortable when I see her on the screen. I don't, I'm not attracted to her or her performances in any way. And, but this performance, in fact, I reviewed this. I did a written review on our website on this, on this movie. Um, in this performance though, I did think she was really well cast. I think she plays that, you know, I'm not like anybody else in the entire world mm -hmm. persona really, really well. And I, you know, I, I thought she did a really good job. Well, she's such a strong presence on the screen that um, it's hard to cast someone opposite Kate uh -huh. Blanchett without coming across as weak. Excellent, excellent so point. So Ruby yeah. Mara did a tremendous job of not only playing this curious ingenue, but really holding her own against Kate Blanchett. I thought now, she had the harder part. Has Kate won an Academy Award? Kate Blanchett's actually won two Oscars. Oh, oh well, then she doesn't need a third. She should just resign and let... And, Kate, don't be gluttonous. Most recently for the Woody Allen film, Blue Jasmine. Oh, I forgot. How can I forget? I forgot that because I didn't like the film and I didn't like her in it. You know, and yeah. she won for Best Supporting for The Aviator. Oh, remember that movie? Yes. Way back when. Yep. Yeah. Talk about slow moving. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, then, Kate, Catherine you don't Pepper, need to do right? it again, and you need to move over and let Rooney take her, her part here. Anyway, um, it's a... Kudos, kudos to the costume designer in uh -huh. Carol. I thought the clothes were terrific. And, no, and the cinematography. Yes, but the um, same woman who did Kate Blanchett's wardrobe on Cinderella did her wardrobe here huh. oh, I didn't on know. Carol. There you go. Um, but I was thinking as we watched it that the American Lung Association is probably not very happy with Carol <laughs> because didn't it make smoking seem a little erotic? Well, no, I gave up smoking, smoking 25 years ago, and I've always said that if somebody told me I had lung cancer, I would go buy a pack of cigarettes after leaving the doctor's <laughs> office. I, you know, if you're a smoker and you loved smoking, and I did, it was one of my dear friends, was my, my, my cigarettes, um, Merit Ultralight. Anyway, yeah, you see that movie and you're about ready to, to kill yourself to get another cigarette. It really makes it sexy again. It does. Definitely does. The red lipstick might have been a bit much. Yeah, well. Uh, anyway, it's a good role for both of them, I think. Uh, but one thing that I thought you would definitely love is Todd Haynes, when he directs movies, he gives his actors mood boards. <laughs> To try to set the well, right mood. You know, mood. I believe in vision boards. You do. I do. You I believe do. in vision do. boards. And guess what he put on Kate Blanchett's mood board to help prepare her for the role? A cigarette? <laughs> Vivian Meyer. Oh, oh my God. And while they were filming okay. Carol, the documentary, Finding Vivian Meyer, had just come out. because You say Meyer. I say Mayer, by the way. 
and you know she was such a mystery that I know nobody. Well, they it's pronounced both ways exactly. Um, But you know, a a now famous street photographer, not famous then, but because she was the eyes behind the camera, Todd Haynes thought it was important to see that era through a female. Amazing, and the book. By the way, her book, which I own, is also amazing. And if you haven't heard our podcast on on Vivian, uh, the documentary, you should go listen to it. It's a great documentary. Okay, now before we get into our feature film, I do want to talk about the announcement of the 15 documentaries uh, that were announced in the, on the short list. There were 124 documentaries pitching to be considered by the Academy. They narrowed so it. just the ones that qualified. Yeah, exactly. And, and they made the requirements more onerous this year for documentaries. Obviously, we're not going to go through all of them, but I want to give you a pick that I think we should be talking about next week or the week after, which I watched this weekend, which I, I, I am speechless when I go to speak about it, and um, it's the Marlon Brando film. Oh. Oh, my God. Called? Listen to Me, Marlon, which is done by Passion Pictures, and basically it's his voice throughout. Now, he made hundreds of hours of audio and visual tapes. And then they also pull in some documentary-type newsreels and things from when he was in his heyday in the 60s and 70s. You know, he had a terrible childhood, and he talks about it openly in the film. And he had a terrible childhood, which made him raw and vulnerable to every single thing, but he had a great persona of pretending he wasn't. You know, this film is a documentary that if you care about film in any way, you have to see this film. And today we're recording from Cape Cod. We are. And in honor of Marlon Brando, we should point out, this is where he was first discovered as an actor. He was? Yep, in did. what? He came down to Provincetown for the oh, summer. Oh, he talks about it. Yeah, he mm-hmm. talks about it. He stayed at one of those little shacks on the Cape on well, the I beach, think he did, yes. He was the only one that knew how to fix the plumbing in this little shack filled yeah. with creative types. Yeah, he... Um, He's brilliant. He's really, really smart. And he talks about the Godfather in a way, you know, back end conversations about the Godfather that he really needed a job. And they said, you have to, you have to read for it. We're not going to just give it to you. And he didn't want to have to read for it. He felt it was humiliating to have to do that, but he did it. And he talked about the role and about how, what he loved about the man, the Godfather, You know, that he loved to present this man who was clearly a violent, awful criminal, but who also had a sense of family and self and love. And I think maybe he really did relate to it in in sort of a big way. It's an amazingly good documentary, and it's really well laid out. Now, I had started watching it a couple weeks ago, and I'd gotten three minutes in, and they have this weird beginning. So get ignore the beginning. What else is on your short list there for the documentaries? Um, well, you know, of course, you know, we did our podcast with Lit Lovers on... Um, he named me Malala. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't see that as a winner, do you? Um, and Davis Guggenheim has won before for An Inconvenient Truth. Which apparently helps, you know. Now, mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's Michael Moore's movie. <laughs> right, Where to Invade Next. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, I'm hearing great things about it, but I haven't seen it. And so he's won before. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the <laughs> way, now I did see Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief. And I think if, if there wasn't a Tom Cruise, um, I don't think it would be even showing up here. You know, I just don't think the movie is well laid out. I don't think it's interesting. And I don't think it tells the Scientology story. I think it alludes to some of the stars and that's really what it's made of. So I don't see that as, as taking off 
Um, and basically, I, don't, I haven't seen any of the others. Have you? I saw the beginning of Amy on the plane to Tasmania. Oh, all right. But now let's get to our to our uh, our narrative review for today, which is the letters. She seemed cheerful in her daily life and tireless in her work, but inside she was experiencing a terrible emptiness. No one knew about her feeling of isolation. In the letter she wrote documented the loneliness she endured over a period of six decades. Dear Father Van Exem, never in all my life did I know there was such suffering in the world as I have seen here. So, what do you think? What did you think? <laughs> Wait, before you tell me what you thought, can I just say, don't go to this movie if you're not feeling good about yourself, because when you leave, this woman did so much in her short lifetime with no money and no help and no nothing that it just makes you say, what have I done for anybody, let alone the whole world? Don't you, didn't you just feel very small in comparison watching it? I would like to report that that is the feeling I left the movie with. You didn't like it. I, it's not you know, this almost yet. feels like taking the fifth. I think if I could abstain from a review, okay. it would be this one because I am Catholic enough to feel like just reviewing this movie, I could walk out of here and get struck by lightning. <laughs> it's in her, everybody. We've always known it. <laughs> I was watching the movie. I thought, I think Hollister is setting me up after our Spotlight review. I was just going to say, and you're doing this right after Spotlight? This is not good. Not good karma. You know, with our upcoming High Holy Holidays, I thought, okay, I was so excited for this movie because honestly, has there been a more compelling figure in human history in recent times than Mother Teresa? Well, I did read a couple of articles about some of her fundraising issues. She spent a lot of time in New York, actually, um, work telling people how she wanted them to raise money for the for the cause. Really? Her, the cause, yeah, she had some issues. There are definitely some issues there. She was huh. she was much tougher than maybe people realized. And obviously, you don't accomplish what she did. But but and you wouldn't know that from the movie. Well, the movie doesn't really talk about that period of her life. It just takes you up to, you know, before that. You know, what about vows of poverty? Well, it takes you to when she wins the, you know, the... Um, the Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, of course. Which, which is always awarded on my birthday. <laughs> oh, I feel very no, closely happy attached birthday. to the Nobel yeah, Peace Prize. And when you Prize. receive it, we can say, and not only that, it's her birthday. Okay, but... <laughs> But here's the thing, it, after that is when she, and then, and then you see in the credits that there were more than a hundred locations for the sisters that she put together. Okay, that's when the fundraising took place as she started to expand globally. They do point out at the end of the movie that even though the enrollment in terms of people wanting to become priests or nuns yeah. has been declining yep. across the globe, yep. her missionaries of charity continues to grow, right. which is an incredible... In a really big way, by the way, yes. in a massive way. But here's the thing. For me, the movie's worth seeing for Juliet Stevenson, if for nothing else, who's a stage actor out of England who plays uh, Mother Teresa. And don't you think she was good? Oh, no, you didn't. Well, um, Juliet Stevenson was in a movie... Now this goes a, a long ways back, because I think it came out in 1990 with Alan Rickman called Truly, Madly, Deeply. I don't, I don't think I saw that. I saw that movie a long time ago, and I remember loving it. Really? Um, yes, so truly, madly, deeply. If you haven't seen it, Juliet Stevenson. I, um, I don't even know how to comment on the acting in this movie because whereas I would say Mother Teresa as a figure, as a subject, as a topic is incredibly compelling, mm -hmm. 
there was nothing about the movie where yeah. I would use the adjective compelling. And shockingly, hearing Mother Teresa's... Well, she did stooped really well. She stooped really... Although she was probably a lot taller than Mother Teresa. <laughs> no, but she Teresa. did really... She stooped, you know, like Mother she Teresa stooped, had a, you know, had a hump. She and she did yes, to be, yeah. you That's know. true, too, yeah. But I thought the movie should have opened with Mother Teresa. I was never emotionally moved throughout the movie. I can't tell you how many times I was checking my watch just to see how much more of the movie we had. And this is shocking to me because honestly, I've always found Mother Teresa to be so compassionate and inspiring. And I, I was more inspired by any quote you would have from Mother Teresa or a poster with a quote from Did Mother Teresa. Did it make Teresa you want to buy the book? Voice recording. Did, did you want to read the it letters? It made me want to read the book, but yeah. not because I loved the movie, just because right. I was dying to actually feel as though I could hear Mother Teresa's true words. See, I think what was really wrong with it was it really didn't translate the letters well. And the letters, you know, it keeps talking about how she had she had felt abandoned by God. Okay, we never saw that on the screen. No. Okay, so here we are hearing about these letters, and we keep coming back to to the letters, and you know the story is unfolding around the quote letters, but the truth is they never ever addressed what was in the letters, which was I feel abandoned by God and alone on this journey, and I'm not sure that I wanted to be doing what I'm, you know. In other words, she had some major crisis of conscience in terms of of her commitment to to God's will and what she was doing, etc. At the same time, um, thank you you know, whatever powers be that brought her because what an amazing woman and, and you know, to have seen her on the on on TV in my lifetime was a you know, I remember her speech to when she won the Nobel Peace Prize. And I can tell you it was a moment for a girl. You know, I was a kid and, you know, mm -hmm. just to know that this woman had done all this, it made me of course want to become a nun and I had no Catholicism anywhere around me, you know. Let us all together thank God for this beautiful occasion where we can all together proclaim the joy of spreading peace, the joy of loving one another, and the joy acknowledging that the poorest of the poor are our brothers and sisters. But that's what makes making a movie about Mother Teresa so exactly. tricky. Exactly. When uh, you're yes. talking about a human who's so exceptional that many agree she right. should be canonized immediately, right. how do you portray that on the screen? Yeah. And I think in the hands of a different director, for example, I was sitting there thinking, I, I wish this had been directed by Susanna Beer. Really? Okay. The Danish director who did the movie After the Wedding, which is one of my favorite foreign films. That movie starts with Mads Mikkelsen working in an orphanage in India. And you are immediately there in a way where it's so visceral and you think, I am on the streets, I can smell the smells, I can hear the sounds, I hear the cartwheels rolling down the street. This movie, I thought the camera work was shockingly remote where I never felt like I was in the thick of it. So talk about showing, not telling. No, that's true, yeah. It immediately starts with exposition. It doesn't start with Mother Teresa. It starts in relatively the present day. It keeps, how many times did they flash different years up on the screen? Which, by the way, which tell, place? exactly. And, but also, 
you know, they also layered in for no apparent reason what was happening politically in India during That's the right, time. With the and, partition. And not only mm -hmm. that, the, the way they told the story of what was happening politically in India is through newsmen saying, well, do you think it's going to be, yes. there's going to be, in other words, it wasn't even shown. It was just told in told, a stupid, told, stupid, told, stupid told. way. You're right. So it's, they took on too much and they took on like, nothing. What did that have to do with the story of she became depressed? I wanted to see her depression. Yes. Like, you because know. Because to me, that's a fascinating story. Yeah. How often her faith was tested. Well, but you know what I did get out of it is um, I, you know, I, as you know, have spent a lot of time studying Catholicism. You know, it was something I started studying in college. You studied it, my people. I did. I studied your people yeah. because, yeah, because of Father Rooney, who I met at the University of Nebraska. Not Father Rooney, by the way, told said that he always believed that God put me on this earth to drive him crazy. <laughs> At least you had a purpose. Uh, but he actually helped me with my, you know, everyone is looking for something to believe in. And having grown up where, you know, we didn't, we did not have any religion in our, in our family. I, you know, I really was struggling and searching. And so, and I remember 9-11, my first call was to Father Rooney. So we had over these, you know, 40 years that we were friends, um, we spent a lot of time together. So Catholicism is something I have done a lot of research around. And I never understood how someone could commit to becoming a nun. And in this movie, the one thing I will give it is those young women who she counseled and who she taught as the teacher, I think it's the best part of the film. You can really see how goodness, how she could bring out goodness in others and make their commitment to goodness something that could be a lifelong commitment. I, you know, I thought that part was nice. teaching, they already seem so good. That's because she had already been working with them by the time we got. So we there. didn't get. We weren't privy to. No, we weren't privy anything to anything, honey. Actually, you know, yeah. like, including. Could you just read one paragraph of her writing? I would love. Oh to my hear God! It. Exactly. Yeah. Like, how did she write? What was her style? Did she use a lot of adjectives? I, I yeah. there was no voice. She had no voice in this film, and At that's all. really what's and missing. It's such a strong and powerful I know, voice that I know. moved millions. I know. And she asks that the letters be destroyed, which already makes me feel like a Which, boarder. by the way, I wanted, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wrote that down and I totally forgot it. But I'm not sure we're allowed to be reading no. these letters and they're out. You know, they're the out. In a Teresa book. asked for so little. Yeah. If one of her and few gave requests so much. And, like, and gave so much exactly. That yeah. this was private, then, you know, how dare you do that? Exactly. You know? And once again, she was betrayed by those she trusted within the church. You know, mm -hmm. like. You know, they brought those letters out because they thought it helped tell the story of how you can be, you know, you cannot be sure, but that doesn't mean you can't still be committed, you know, and it served the church well. But when I saw the trailer, I really did want to see it, you I know. I the trailer was great. Yeah, me too. I, the movie itself is so saddled with exposition yeah. from the get-go. And even, I don't know if it was an hour in, it felt like it was an hour in, the scene in the movie where there's that very nice benefactor in India who gives her the use of his property for her missionaries. She actually says to him, well, yes, I do work with the poor. And he says, yes, I heard that from Father so-and-so. And I thought, if you need to tell us that about <laughs> Mother Teresa at this point in the movie, um, so many things were repeated that we had just seen over and over and over again. Um, I really wished that somebody could have just strapped a GoPro to their chest and walked through the streets of Calcutta and we would have felt as though we were there, as opposed to what was visually and emotionally a very removed movie uh -huh. for uh -huh. me. Um, I know. So, 
All right, so we should not talk anymore about it because we are going to be struck down dead. Well, that's for sure. Although I do want to mention Max von Sydow is in the movie. Love him. I know. I know. One of the few foreign language film actors to ever be nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor in Pell the Conqueror, of course. You know, it's, it's peopled with tremendous actors, but the screenplay, I thought, was very weak. Um, it was. It was. One thing that I always felt really badly about is that Mother Teresa passed away the same week that Lady Di was killed in the car crash. And I feel like Mother Teresa never got her due. Oh, yeah, okay. I feel like Lady You're right, Di, I forgot. She, she did. She died. Exactly. Exactly. And there was all the questions about who was in the car and, you know, Mother Teresa never got the send-off that she, she obviously deserved. And this is just one other thing I wanted to point out. Did you know there is actually an American saint? Who? Me? <laughs> I know. Is it me? Come there on, is, is it me? Saint Betty. I just learned this this year. Betty? Uh, a saint cannot be named Betty. Right? Uh, no, what about the good. fact that she was a woman? Her name was Elizabeth Seton. And I know you know the last name from Seton Hall, yes, Seton of University. Yes. Big, big, big family in New York City. She was born to a very wealthy family in New York. Huh. So she grew up very privileged. Her basilica is in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And if you go and visit, you can even see her dancing shoes. But I feel like it's a big time trivia question. If you had said, do we have a female saint who was named Betty who liked to dance? I would have said, you know, please. Um, well, that's true. It is a big trivia question and it's a good way to end our feature <laughs> film uh, narrative uh, review. Well, perhaps to end it on a slightly more elevated level. <laughs> I mean, this is a quote. It's staring me right in the face okay. right here by Mother Teresa. Okay. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Which is why okay, this review... Okay, shouldn't you have said that at the beginning no, of the review? I know. That <laughs> I'm just going to leave you now and go get struck by lightning because clearly... I know, but by the way, you should... You know, it is words. not fair that you brought that in at the end rather than the beginning. I'm already I'm just feeling saying. guilty. Okay, you know? I feel guilty too. It's my birthright. Too. So let's move on. Okay, okay, so, you know, may she rest in peace and we should never have seen these letters or any facsimile of and them I in film. And I do hope she's named a saint. Okay, I do quickly. too. She definitely deserves it. But we also got an email. We're so excited from Joseph Costello, who you may remember from a review. I wrote a review of The Preppy Connection after I saw it at the Hampton International Film Festival, and it was my belief that this should win an Academy Award, and I, I think I think every aspect of this film is really well done. We got an email from him because we are going to be podcasting with him later, and we're going to be interviewing him about making this movie. Very exciting news. Drum roll. Drum roll, exactly. IFC uh, Films acquired the North American rights to The Preppy Connection, and it will be coming out, um, I think, in March. And we will be certainly having him on our podcast uh, just the week before it comes out. Congratulations, Joe. That's uh, Yeah, huge, really huge, great huge, news. Huge and thanks news. for sharing it with us. Now, ask me what I saw this week. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> I know you didn't see it. I absolutely loved it. The Peanuts movie. Oh, my God. Really? I Do we really have to it. go here? Okay. Yes, I okay. think it was so true to the sensibilities of Charles Schultz. So do you recommend it as a family movie? Did you go with a somebody a little younger than you? Or do you recommend it as a date night movie? Or who is it you think should be if going? If you are a Peanuts fan, <laughs> you should go. Okay. And I think Charles Schultz is somebody who always appealed to people of all ages. Hmm. I think it's meant as a kid's movie. You know. I will. I love the Charlie I, Brown Christmas special. I I was there. The peanuts. My acerbic voice comes from Lucy. Having read really? her, yeah, in my early teens. Are you kidding? Lucy affected you. To oh that my degree. god, totally. Her sarcasm it made mine okay. So I'm <gasps> I'm very grateful to Lucy. <laughs> is she the character you most identify with? She is. Really? Okay, <laughs> don't be mean. 
you have an opportunity here. I was trying to go say back that to your quote from from uh, Mother, Mother Teresa. Teresa. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, I am. And she would say, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Okay. Well, you can't judge me here then. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging you. It's my high holy holiday season. Okay. Yes. And with that, go to the movies, everyone. Watch TV. Go to the movies, and we'll see you next week. 